Mentos man. I what am Mentos man. What amazing bit. You guys, I don't know if anyone saw this, but Josh dressed up in a suit entirely made of Mentos and jumped in. No, it was a ball pit. It was a freaking... He jumped into a pit that was filled with Coca-Cola. Like... Incredible that he just erupts. I thought that I was like, oh fuck, they're gonna promote this show so well. Welcome to the catch up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth, editor in chief, and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright. And welcome to the catch-up. <laughs> Guys, today's guest is no stranger to the world of being a food beast. We have chef and food creator Josh Elkin in the building. I'm just going to read your IMDb credits, Josh. That's cool. Uh, he's the original chef of Epic Mealtime. He's the host of Food Network Sugar Showdown. He's competed on Cutthroat Kitchen, Cooks vs. Cons, Guys Grocery Games. It doesn't end there. And I want to find out more about my friend Josh Elkin because this is this is where we have those conversations. So welcome. Thank you. To the catch up, baby. Hell Welcome, yeah, Josh. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. First of all, happy birthday, Thank Jeffrey. You. Thank happy you. birthday to Jeff. Appreciate that. You made it. You did it. Another year. A lot wise, more wiser. Just Wednesday, guys. Just Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> just speaking another of, Wednesday. Speaking of Wednesday, let me just get this off my chest. I was walking up here, and there's there's a restaurant at the corner that's representing Taco Tuesday. Like, come on. You got one job. It's Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday. What is up? Like, come up on. Already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for inviting me again to the catch-up. Actually, this is my third catch-up. This is your third catch-up? Yeah, this, and this is the third rendition of the catch-up yeah. podcast. Yeah. My first one was with Marky Mark when we were doing the news style videos. Yeah. Second oh, way one, back. Yeah, way about back. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Second one was about a year ago. Season one of the catch-up. Yeah, and now I'm back for season three. So this one's going to be more about you, man. That's great. I love I talking th- about me. Last time you were just guests, you were just hanging out, but this one... People need the origin story of Josh Elkin. I guess. Bro, they they really do. They really do. So, what's up? Where'd you go to high school? <laughs> Lindsay Place High School, Point Claire, Quebec. Shout out to the Eagles. Red and black, baby. Uh, not one person knows anything about that. I don't even know if they're still red and black. <laughs> is it still a school? It, I hope so. It is still a school. However, all the other schools around my neighborhood closed. What? Yeah. So, what's high school like in Canada? Is it three years? You do some no, weird man, shit like high that? High school, you get into high school in grade seven when you're 12 or 13, and you go all the way until grade 11 when you're 17. Okay. That's high school. Okay. And then only the province of Quebec, where I'm from, they do two years of alternative school called CEGEP, and then you go to university. What's that alternative school? It's like 12 and 13. You guys do 12 and 13, right? We don't do 13. So we do, we 12. go up to 12. 12. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so it's basically 12 and 13. It's uh, it's designed to weed out the people who don't really care about education. Mm. So it's like two years of make your own schedule. Teachers aren't after you. You go when you if you want. And if you don't, you fail type of thing, yeah. which is basically what college is. Yeah. And then you can do it. You need to get a certain amount of credits. You could do it in two years. I did it in three whatever. And but it's optional. You don't have to go to this. You have to go to it. You have to go yeah. to it. Okay. You get a certificate called a DEC, which gives you a pass to go to college. 
or you can take those two years off and apply as a mature student. Either way, you got to wait two years. Oh, damn. Why? That's weird. It's like waiting to get to the NBA now out of college. It's like forcing them that one year to figure stuff out. Either go to college or take a year off, go around, then apply to the NBA. The one and done? Yeah. Yeah. There's always a way around. So like, but the the trade-off is, you know, tuition's $4,000 a year for college rather than 400. Jesus. So you did the 12th and 13 yep. and, alternative years. And, well, do you, and do you have a specific study or yeah, yeah, yeah. when so, you're doing 12 and 13 in Canada, do you focus on anything? Yeah. So like I said, it's designed to prepare you for college. So you make your own schedule, you choose your own program, you do whatever courses to get you into the next level of programming. So like, mm. for example, I did leisure studies. Perfect. You sound like you made that shit up. I swear to God, I did it. What's leisure study? So it's classes like interpersonal communication, program planning, uh, art. So like I was doing sculpting classes, which later on in life obviously has helped me. Yeah. Acting classes as electives, uh, as, um, philosophy, which I failed four times before they were like, okay, <laughs> let him go. Clearly, you can't do this. What that I actually to- sounds like a very important major you picked. That leisure, it sounded funny at first, but all no, those are real. really good skill sets. Like philosophy is really good. Art is really good. Interpersonal for, skills, yep. communication, acting, all of that helps you in your job right now. Interpersonal communications is still to this day the most valuable school or lesson I've ever taken. But then there was stuff like, I don't know, like sports psychology. So I did a whole paper on Nike, like talk about that it's like i'm blue in the the face you know i feel like there's two types of people and you're either going to look at that type of schooling as one of the best things you can do to learn about yourself and just to learn about people in general which i think those classes do or the opposite where you think it's going to be completely pointless i mean it it reminds me in college because there's definitely a number of people that majored in recre recreation I think that was the actual major. Yeah. And it feels like from the outside that you just play sports. Yeah. Like you just play non-professional sports, non-university sanctioned sports. And that and that for me was always That's a weird. little weird. Yeah. But if you're going to do athletics for your job or whatever, I, I'm, that's no judgment. I just felt like it was just playing sports. It looked and felt like playing sports. I No, I, and I get that. But like you still got to do theory and totally. you got to like do prerequisites and all this sort of stuff. So leisure studies ultimately put me into a bachelor of arts. Okay. And so what did you use? What did you do with that? Uh, I was asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> what do you it's mean? It's funny. No, no, no. So I was never, I'm not a scholastic guy. Like my entire school history career has always been, how can I do the least amount of work and get, and, and end it? And get by. Yeah. So like at early at an early age, I befriended the teachers. Okay. So I really learned politics fast. Mm. If I'm friends with the teacher, or if they understand my struggles, or if they understand the type of student I am, maybe they'll teach me differently. Some worked, some didn't. Most of the time, I got off. In terms of like, okay, but like I could have done it better. Give me another chance, and I'll do the test again. Stuff right. like that. So I went to university into Bachelor of Arts. I did two years of university before one of my teachers was like, I don't think you should be here anymore. Just straight up, they told you that. It was a very honest conversation. She said to me, she's like, what do you want to do in life? I said, I want to be successful. She said, what does that mean? I said, it doesn't matter. Whatever is going to take me there, I'm going to do. 
and she's like, I think you should leave and go and do that because you're wasting your time not wanting to learn here. And I, her name was Fern Delamere. I'll never forget it. It was in 2002. And, she, and I never looked back. I bounced. I went and taught sailing and windsurfing in Cancun at Club Med for a few months. Yeah, the first, so you walked out of class that day. That was it. Your teacher just told you to freaking leave. She said, I, she, she said, don't take offense. I went after class. She's like, come see me after class. She, I went to go see her after class and she sat me down and she said all these things. And then she's like, I think you should consider going out into the workforce because you're, you don't want to be here. There's nothing here that I'm teaching you that you want to learn. And if you just want to be successful, you got to go and experience things in order to find out what that is going to be. And, and uh, it was, she was right. So you walked out and how did you go to, you just decided to go to Cancun? So yeah. I left, I was working and I was selling cell phones at let's say like a T-Mobile equivalent for yeah. years. <clears throat> Great job, super lucrative, made so much money. I was working with my friends, my best friends. My One of my best friends' mother was my manager. It was excellent. Like a store, like physical store. Physical selling, selling cell, phone. cell phones. Okay. This is before the iPhone came out. The hottest phone at the time was the Razor. That's what's up. Yeah, I like that one. The flip up Razor, yeah. very thin. And I was caking. We were making like $50 an activation, doing a hundred of them in a weekend. You know, Damn. like- I was, That's serious. As a 20 year old kid, I was, I was making stacks at the time. Yeah. But I- didn't really want to do that anymore. I was like, I had just broken up with this girl that I was obsessed with. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. We're gone. I, I left. I went to Cancun. I, I got a job teaching sailing and windsurfing, which I had already known how to do. And I went to go work on the beach for, month, for months. And, I, and, I, and again, How was that? This is where I was like, oh shit, Fern was right. I'm learning how to talk to people, how to have eye contact, how to pass someone in the hall and take my sunglasses off and, and greet them. Had a uh, Club Med is a French company, so there's a lot of French people there. So, like at the time, yeah, Montreal, where I come from, it's dual language, it's French and English, but I really didn't speak that much French. So, being in an atmosphere where no one speaks English, it's either Spanish, French, and sometimes English, I was forced to really hone my skills. So, I learned how to speak French properly there. All sorts of stuff like that. But you lived on an island. That's like some forgetting Sarah Marshall shit that like you just you just bounce and you're just gonna I'm gonna get away from this girl that I love that just broke up with me she broke up with you yeah savage bro. yeah yeah she killed savage me. killed me it is what it is man whatever yeah it happens better off for it anyway so you go to Cancun so I go to Cancun <clears throat> I meet people from the, every walk of life in every corner of the globe from Tunisia to Tennessee and everywhere in between where are these jobs listed just like, did you? So, did you go to Cancun before you got the job? No. So, Club Med is a French company uh -huh. that also operates out of Canada, and um, I I was sitting at the cell phone job, being like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And what before you go into <laughs> how you found the Club Med job, what pushed you out of the job that you were working with your friends and making a ton of cash? Because I feel. Those two things, a majority of people would gravitate toward from whatever current job they have now. So I'm curious about like what pushed you <clears> out. It was depression, mm. if I could be real. Mm. And it was the fact that I can leave for six months and because of this situation, I set it up where I was like, I'm, I need to come back to this job. And she was like, cool, take six months off, come back. So that was your cushion. You knew you could go back to the job. You probably saved up some stacks. I did go back to the job. You did go back. Yeah. So you lived, you, you went out to Cancun, did that thing. And then when did you decide, yo, I got to come back to reality? So it was a six month contract. Okay. There it I is. I went there from August, beginning of August 
and I was supposed to be there until the end of the year. In October, right after Katrina, Wilma hit Cancun. Mm. And it was a very weird tropical storm that turned into a hurricane because it was super violent, but it wasn't moving. So oh, no, just, just sitting, sitting on, it, just on Cancun. It. So it happened on my birthday, actually, in October. Uh, the, the day before, I had like set up all these plans. We we're like in a party on the resort. All the people who worked there, it was all good. And then we got woken up in the morning like, yo, pack a bag, we gotta go. And we oh. went four hours south into the jungle. For 16 days, I was evacuated. And then it was natural disaster. Everyone's gotta go back to their home. No way. So you were that. evacuated. It was so dangerous that you had to leave the resort for 16 days. It was supposed to be like three. Damn. Wow. You think you could just like bunker down in those resorts? Yeah, she was crazy. We went in. So in the way it works, and you've been to you've been to Cancun yeah. before. You know how like resorts do excursions? Yeah. And then like they'll usually like take you to a remote place, and there'll be like a mini version of the resort where you like eat dinner. You can like sure. go in the pool. There might be a room or two. So they they brought us four hours south into the jungle next to Chichen Itza, which is part of the excursions. It's where the, the Mayan temples are. And there was a mini club med where there was a hundred rooms or a hundred beds, 50 rooms, two beds per room. And all the guests for the club med had been evacuated and sent home. But all the people that worked there were waiting because they wanted us to go back to the village and clean up after the hurricane hit. Right. But it was so bad that we all had to bounce. Jesus how, how bad was it? And was it when you were looking at a storm that you were being quote unquote like evacuated, not quote unquote, you were evacuated, but when you were looking at the storm that was happening, did it scare you? Were, was that something the first time you'd ever seen something of that magnitude? Because again, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. I work at this resort. They're going to evacuate us because the storm is so crazy. And then it's just supposed to be there for three days, but day after day, we're still here. Like how crazy is that? It was very crazy. And it wasn't my first natural disaster. In 98 in Montreal, we had the ice storm, which like ruined the entire city for two weeks, no power. Went to school for one day and the next day, my mom wakes me up, no school for two weeks. So like I had been in a natural disaster where like people were dying from icicles falling off trees and shit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Bro. National Guard was called, Red Cross from the States came in, it was bad. Anyways, <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. In fact, it wasn't really that violent. I wasn't really that scared. What scared me was the water level was increasing by the second. So wow. like the way it wor worked is you'd, and I worked on the beach teaching sailing and windsurfing. So I saw it firsthand creeping up and creeping in. And it was weird. The tide was just growing and growing and growing. And, and normally like there's a tide, the natural tide comes in and out, but this was like next level to the point where I want to say 10 feet above where the beach and water were, there were stairs going up to the road of the resort where you'd like walk around. By the time we were leaving, that road was flooded. Wow. Dude. Yeah. Then you could start fearing for your life at that point. Then it was like, it was like, all right, pack a bag. We're leaving in a day and a half. All right, guys, we're leaving right now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So that evacuation eventually led you to like, all right, I'm just going to go home now. This, is, this was that catalyst. Well, my passport expired mm -hmm. in the interim. So they had to get rid of me. Mm. Like the only way, like they're like, you're not allowed to stay here anymore. You need to take the certificate because it's the only way they're going to let you out of Mexico and into Canada. Oh, so you had to bail. So I had to bounce. And my mom, forget it. She was on the phone with the Canadian consulate trying to get a helicopter to come here. <laughs> Yo. Yo, team mom. Her, I'm saying though. Moms are great. So then I come back to Montreal. I go back to my cell phone job. Shit was, got uprooted there. I went 
to what did your parents think? you speaking to your mom what, what do your parents say during all this like you quit school like is that was that a bit is that a big thing in in Montreal in Montreal like were you like you should stay in school you know my parents I've always had this like kind of way that I have my relationship with my parents where don't worry about me and they're like, well, I can, you're my son. But then they realize, okay, we don't have to worry about him. So you set up this trust kind of early on as a kid? Very early. I have two older siblings that like did everything I could possibly think of way before me. You so, feel like you were old since you were like 13. Yeah. I feel like you're like an old soul in, in, the, in your body. I was always the oldest of my friends. Oldest in my grade, born in October. Like I was always that, mm. you know, older siblings. My parents were older. All my friends' parents were younger. They're the oldest in their family with younger siblings, et cetera. So you kind of grew up that way. Yeah. So when you came back, your parents, they're kind of chill with everything. They're so. just happy I'm alive. Yeah, and, you're good. And well, yeah. And, and, so, did you, and did you go back to the old job for a long time? And where, where did you start pivoting into something new? So I, I went back to the old job and, sh and my manager was like, look, like I can give you at shifts. This is like my best friend's mom, who like is a very good friend of me still to this day. Uh, she's like, look, I can give you these shifts, this, that, the other, but like we have to fill it up, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, honestly, thank you. I got another opportunity with your competitor. Oh, she's like, it was it was the same company, but like another branch. Gotcha. And she's like, go do yeah. it because she's a friend. I need mm -hmm. to make, I need to earn. I need to yeah. like, you know. So I went and I did that, continue selling cell phones in another place, same exact thing, just like different people in different location. That didn't last very long. Shortly thereafter was my first food, my first real food job where I was a runner, like a delivery boy for this guy that owned a cafe in a, in a, in a office building. You know, like a, like a bullshit yeah. cafe. Yeah. He's making lasagna, he's making burgers. Heavy delivery stuff? It was like, he was making them the most of his money on deliveries. So I would come, I would work from like eight to two thirty. It was like breakfast and brunch yeah. and lunch. And it would be like as little, little kind of like circumference. Is that the yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> radius, radius, yeah. radius. And uh, I would go and I would make like, you know, a couple hundred dollars a shift. And the guy was cool. We were smoking, we were drinking, <laughs> we were having a good time. He's only a couple years older than me. And I did that and then I was like, then my best friend's mom hit me up, another guy, and was like, hey, come work for George, her husband, who owned this like printing company. And I was like, really? I'm like, they're like, yeah, they're gonna, the, the manufacturer's gonna supplement your income. Like, it's great. You're gonna make this amount of money. It's gonna be a real job. Like enough of this bullshit. Like come and step into reality. Like this could be a, a life or job for you. And I was like, okay. Let's go. This is it. Success. It's happening. My friend is bawling. His dad drives a Maserati. She drives a friggin' Porsche Cayenne. Like he just got rid of his Rover. My buddies, like they're bawling. Yeah. Rich as fuck. Like, and all from printing. And I was like, I want that life. Yeah. You want that Michael I Scott want, life. I, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I want that little screen on the wall, you know, yeah. the Dundies. And um, <laughs> I'm glad you caught the reference good. And um, so I went in, I met the manufacturer's rep when I went in to, for this job for my, my friend's dad, who my friend was working for also, by the way, another friend. And um, I get a call the next day and they're like, yeah, they're like, the manufacturer doesn't really want you to work for, for George. And I was like, oh, I'm like, well, thanks anyways. And like, no, 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 they want you to work for the manufacturer directly. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 
they're like, they're going to fly out to Toronto. You're going to work from home. You're going to get this salary. There's no office. You could just go around all of Quebec being the, the, the um, regional regional manager. <laughs> You're just describing Killing it. Killing it. <laughs> Except my job was to go from like city to city in the province and and just like I was, you know, you need more toner for your customers. You need more paper for your customers. You need someone to come in here and fix this machine. You need better prices on your machines. Like I was working for the manufacturer so that I would sell this company who would turn around and sell it to the consumer. So it was like one step above being a retailer and I was getting paid dumb money. I was getting every perk in the book. I was getting a car allowance, a phone, a computer, insurance, like amazing. It was a crazy job. This so you're is stacking chips? Did you? Uh, started to. Yeah. Yeah. This okay. is like real life. Like I'm making like $70,000 and I'm 23. Yeah, that's like, great. This that's is crazy. Incredible. Yeah. And this is like way before anything in social media or any internet business has ever started. This is 2007. YouTube is two years old. No one's making money off YouTube. Damn. Yeah. So how do you how do you eventually so you're this successful printer salesman, <laughs> regional manager, <laughs> roaming, roaming Canada, and then how do you get involved with Epic Mealtime? So that job parlayed into a next I was assistant to the regional manager. I was Dwight Schrute. <laughs> and then I got an opportunity. then there was a huge um uh, what's the call when they uproot a company and everyone gets fired and re restaffed? Like when they went bankrupt? No, they didn't go bankrupt. They it, was laid a off a it was a reorg. Oh, it was a reorg. Okay. The, this company that I worked for, Konica Minolta, at the time, bought another company. They were bringing their people in, getting rid of the old the old people, and everyone. It was a huge shakeup, and I was supposed to be in line to be the manager next. And they're like, "Now nah, we're demoting you down because your entire team is fired," and well, well, whatever. And then I was like, "All right, I'm out." I'm finding a next job, became the actual manager of their competitor, got more of a quota. At this point, it's 2009, three years later, 2008, 2009, I have like a $7 million quota. I'm like killing it. At this point, I'm making six figures. Damn. I got more bonuses, more allowances. I buy a house off of the money I saved from the first job. That's when Epic Meal Time happened for me. And how? Yes, because you have a house now. Because I have a house. It's all about the house. Okay, I heard a little bit about this story, but fill me in. Okay. Because you have a house, you got introduced to Epic Mealtime? Yeah, so Epic Mealtime at the time wasn't Epic Mealtime. It was just Harley, who owns Epic Mealtime, making dumbass videos on the internet with his friend Sterling, mm. who owned a production company where they would make wedding and bar mitzvah videos <laughs> and rap show and rap music videos. And it Yeah. <laughs> and Harley's a teacher also. Harley is a substitute teacher. <laughs> uh, he never was an actual teacher. He was only a substitute teacher. And um, uh, Sterling was a graphic designer for like a bullshit company, whatever. But on the side to make like cash and like feed whatever, you know, like want to go out for dinner or go to a club or take a girl out. Like that's, that was that, that money. Mm. I don't think they ever thought in their head that that company, uh, it was called... A good look studios. <laughs> if anyone from Epic Real Time is watching this right now, they've definitely just had a chuckle. It was called the Good Look Studios, and um, they just whatever they weren't. Yeah, we, they're doing videos yeah. just on the side. But we were all we all lived in the same neighborhood. Shout mm -hmm. out to Dollar Days Armo, West Island, Montreal. We're up, and um, <laughs> no one comments back. No. <laughs> just crickets in the chat. <laughs> so. Uh, 
Harley had always been putting out like bullshit, like random bullshit videos for no reason, just for fun. Cause he's always been an entertainer. He's always been funny. He's always wanted to like, he's always been the face of the, like the party. Like, look at me, mm-hmm. I'll make you laugh. And he has, he's a super funny dude. Mm-hmm. And, um, they were doing competitions like the Doritos competition, like make a flavor, make a, make a commercial. We'll give you 25 grand and, and your flavor. Remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I applied to a few of those. So dude. they won a second prize. They got like 10 G's to, to, to cause of their thing. Oh wow. Har- Harley took his girlfriend in the bikini and just like poured over Doritos over her and it was a viral video. You could probably still find it. It's amazing. So they used that money to buy better equipment and then they were like, all right, so we're going to make more rap shows. We're going to film more rap music videos and let's try and make this one video. You know that site, thisiswhyyourefat.com? Yeah. Harley was like, what if we made a video of one of their items? Intro, fast food pizza, the first Epic Mealtime video. Damn. Were you, so... I had nothing to do with it. You had nothing to do with the first Epic Mealtime video. No. Harley would argue that um, he went to Wendy's one time and or when the Baconator first came out, Mm -hmm. they... He went and got a triple Baconator, which is... At the time, the Baconator was two patties. It's now since been changed to one patty. Yeah. So it was six patties. He custom ordered one, right? He custom ordered one. It was like... It was. It looked like, a, like one of those In-N-Out um, four by four, yeah. whatever they're called. Yeah. And um, he sat there in real time at Wendy's, a little skinster, bare-faced Harley Mornstein, and ate a six patty baconator and he he'll say that that's the first epic mealtime video but it's i mean it's not it wasn't same. edited to have the the structure that it exactly. has now and so forth so a year and a half later him and muscles glasses alex perot go into harley's backyard and they're like let's make this video we'll film it putting out bullshit on a plain pizza and we'll put it out and that was the first video october 2010 so that that was the the fast food pizza yeah. with onion rings other burgers on kfc it taco bell mcdonald's it was pretty groundbreaking at the yeah. time. And that video took off. So that video got like marginal success, but like for Canada, 10,000, first of all, 10,000 views is nothing to sneeze at still. Like you no. get 10,000 views on a video, you should be proud. Yeah. You really should. So it got like, I think 10,000 views, semantics, I'm not sure. Sure. And um, being, this, he's very smart, Harley. He was like, all right, another one. Next one, we got it. We got to keep the momentum going. What's the next one we're going to do? They're like, let's make it very Canadian. So they did the, the angry French Canadian, which was steamy hot dogs, which is a very Quebec thing. Poutine, which obviously is born in Quebec and French toast on like a hoagie. And we'll stuff it all together. We'll call it the angry French Canadian sandwich. So th- at this point, Canadian media was like, oh, what, what is this going? What are they doing over here? What's going on? 100,000 views. Yahoo Canada, CBC, CTV, whatever, you know? Again, same thing. All right, another one. Let's do it. Let's do it again. First video was three people involved. Second video was five people involved. Second, uh, sorry, second video was four people involved. Third video, which was uh, a stacked sandwich with like fried chicken, onion rings, mac and cheese, burgers, whatever. Death of the Double Down, it was called. Wow. So the Double Down was the old KFC, two fried chicken sandwiches with bacon in between. Right. They did that plus mac and cheese, onion rings, burgers. It was it was this big. Why is this stuff resonating with people at the time? Is it is it a lot hard, of reasons? Is it the combination of Harley screaming at the camera, funny dude, and then Crazy creations Neil. that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. And then almost people being, don't know whether they should be disgusted or not. It's all of those things. And in a new way, 
in a new food format that nobody, it doesn't exist. Like the only food format, I think re, I think Chopped just came out. So competition food co- shows are just becoming a thing. Stand and stir cooking shows are the biggest thing. Naked Chef with Jamie Oliver, 30 Minute Meals with Rachel Ray, Sugar with Anna, like all these shows, you know? So then this comes along and it's this like six foot eight dude yelling at you with a beard and like this other dude next to him with muscles and sunglasses on who doesn't talk and they're making this crazy shit yeah what the and they're wasted this entire time what is happening they broke all the rules you can't get wasted on tv you can't talk like that he talks like a he was talking to a new audience someone that understood i was like damn harley sounds like he could be my boy exactly he talks slang slang hip-hop inspired obviously it was a lot of that it was a lot of the swagger of every of all of us this like not give a fuck attitude not only do we not give a fuck but listen to him talk doesn't give a fuck look at this food we don't give a fuck so you guys were at, was he actually drunk during the filming of these shows the first like six months of epic mealtime we were all like it was bad <laughs> it was really so bad. that's real like oh, those yeah. giant bottles of jack daniels that just became characters on the show that was no bullshit you and everyone else they were, you guys were actually drinking having a good time there yeah and and uh we can get to that in a second in terms of like you could you could tell could see chronologically it change go from like alcohol all the way up here to crashing down no one drinking ever again like there's pin there's defining moments so we'll get there yeah we'll get there i want to find out how you got involved with the group now. fourth episode fourth episode what happens on the fourth episode fourth first episode harley's backyard second episode uh second and third episode harley's mom's kitchen fourth episode it's like two weeks later i think the third episode which was the death of the double down did the same as the one before. So at this point, they're not getting any more up. So I think everyone was like, oh, like flashing a pen, kind of like never really going to see the light of day or anything. So let's just fuck off. I think it was like a day after this third video came out. Again, Harley and I were never friends. We're never really friends, but we shared the same circle of friends. Mm -hmm. Like his best friends were my best friends. Got it. So we'd see each other in like settings like that, but we were never like more than, what's up, man? How you doing? You didn't Good. have his number or anything. Nothing. Didn't have his number. Never hung out solo. We like, we, we weren't friends. We were, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Like we knew the same people, like our brothers knew each other. Like that's what it was, right? But we were Facebook friends. So I saw him on Facebook and I was like, bro, I'm like crazy videos. Like, congrats. Like, I don't know what any of this means, but like, it's awesome. Where are you filming the next video? He's like, I don't know your house. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what a forward dude. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, I'm down only if I get to cook the meal. And he's like, do you know how to cook? And I said, I mean, I know more than you guys know. I like, seriously, like I can make something more than just a sandwich. And he's like, okay, let's do it. You have any ideas? I'm like, what if we made like a giant corn dog, or or maybe he had the idea of the giant corn dog. They came over to my house, a fucking squad, which I really don't like. <laughs> I really don't like. Just it. like he brings so, his. So, own. so it's What's a full squad? entourage. At this point, me and cousin Dave were the last two guys in. So at this point, it's Harley Sterling, Amir, Tyler, Muscles, Glasses. Intro: Me and cousin Dave. Mm. Uh, and you could see like we didn't have any roles. Like I was going to take care of the food, but Amir had made all the meals up until this point. So I was kind of like pushing him out of the way mm. indirectly without him actually knowing yeah. it ended up happening that way, but whatever, we'll get to that in a second. And, uh, and, and Dave was just like going to be my sous chef, like just help me or whatever. 
So he's like, all right, we want to make this crazy corn dog. I'm like, okay, what if we like take the corn dog, wrap it in cheese and bacon, then cover that in meat, bake it, and then take that entire thing and dip it in cornmeal batter and deep fry it. And they looked at me like I was a crazy person. And they're like, you sure this is going to work? I'm like, I have no idea. But let's just try it. I'm like, it's my house. Worst case, we make a mess in my house. Well, because this, this seems like the first recipe that isn't putting shit on top of shit or exactly. inside of shit. Exactly. That you could just go buy from fast food. This actually involved an oven. And it, involved, and a you know, and well, a the other, they had deep fried uh, stuff before, but yes. Right. Like there's actual construction that could go wrong. Yeah. This is, this is like taking a lot of different elements making a thing, taking that as an element and making something out of that, which later became my entire philosophy. Yeah, it's your brand now at this yeah. point, but okay. Well, yeah. and before we go on, how much cooking experience did you actually have? So obviously, I think you talked about kind of knowing the politics of the situation before. They needed a location. You saw something cool happening. You knew you could leverage your location to be a character on the show. And you also knew that they, they, you had more cooking experience than any of these dudes. But what was that cooking experience actually like? Very good question. <clears throat> because there's a blip. There's a blip in the timeline that like people forget about, but it's very public. There was another chef that was there for like four episodes and then got canned because he was too crazy. What? Why did he get canned? Because he was just wild. I know he got he got so after like the fifth or sixth episode. A dude named Sean came in who had gone to Cordon Bleu, knew his shit. He was a sicko, like he fit, kind of fit right in, except he did what like really, what Harley and Sterling really didn't like. And he started representing himself as the brand. Mm. Now that didn't sit well with the guys that have been doing it for six months at this point, yeah. nor the guys who actually owned it. Don't come into my brand and start getting free shit from XYZ company saying that we're going to shout you out when you have no say. Sure. That, that would rub me the wrong way. Of course. Yeah, it and would you, rub me the wrong way. But like a regular, like, like anyone with, <clears throat> like anyone with for, foresight was be like, okay, give him a chance. Like he's, he's bringing an element to, to this that no one else can bring, which is like actually trained. He shows up with his chef whites and his rolls out his knife bag. Like, you know, he came here to take it serious. He came here to take it serious. And like, had that actually went in that way, I wouldn't be here right now. Mm. No way. No. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so after like, I don't know, I, the first episode that I took over for real and, and that was it for me was the black legend, which was the huge chocolate crepe stuffed with like deep fried pastries where Harley's girlfriend and her friend ate it together. And he was like, I drizzed all over it. Oh no. That one. <laughs> I know the show faced a lot of criticisms too at that point. One, the overconsumption of food, that shit was crazy. And then also like, it was like a hip hop inspired, there's a lot of hip hop inspired elements. So you'd end the video with like, dudes eating it crazy and then like sexy girls eating that shit crazy yeah so how did you feel like just being in all that like were you like yo i don't do you were you just like i have no idea what's going on right now it in 2019 that was it hype bro that doesn't work yeah no that can never exist in 2019 right it was timing you know 2010 shock value was everything on the internet like, you know, like that's all it was. How many girls can you be in this video? We had one where we made 20 mac and cheese dishes and we had 20 girls eating them. <laughs> like, every, like, what? How do people get paid? 
Now, you don't talk about specific numbers, but <clears throat> we all know, like we all hang out with other YouTube friends and there's a circle and culture of like some people are on a payroll, some people aren't, and they're doing it based on the clout and the shareability of it. And like you showed up in this video, so I'm going to eventually get followers. Like, was it, was it a company early on? Was it like, yo, y'all are all staff. We're gonna have a good time. Here's everyone's like, we have budget for the show and you guys have salaries as entertainers and cooks or editors or whatever, or was it a bunch of like favors here and there? And like, what did you think when you let up your house first? You know what I mean? Like, did you have any preconceived hopes and dreams of Epic Mealtime forever being hosted in your house? Never did I think it was going to be a thing. For, first of all, after six months, Harley and Sterling started, they sued each other. They broke up, they stopped working together, and they sued each other because one person wanted to take it one way and the other person wanted to take it the other way, and they, there was, they sued each other. Now, at the time, six months later, eight months later, we are getting millions of views every day. Every day, million views. It was crazy. Yeah. And... For the first two years of my career with Epic Mealtime, I didn't quit my corporate job. I was working simultaneously printing and Epic Mealtime to the point where like, I'd go to like rural Quebec for three days and they'd be in my house cooking Epic Meals without me. Wow. Like, I was giving up everything. The way I looked at it is if I give as much as I can, because they weren't paying any of us. They were, give, they were giving me a small fee to use my house, but no one was making a living even Harley, like, he wasn't taking the money out because they were in a lawsuit. So the, all the money was going to a, an account and just staying there until this was over, no one was getting paid. So for two years, I didn't get paid. In fact, I only quit my job because someone else that wanted to do business with Epic Mealtime offered a buyout for me because they weren't going to do that unless I was full-time. That's the only reason I quit, because someone else paid me. Um, Damn, an outside company that came in Kind of invested or we made a cooking kit in yeah, 2012 I so i designed that and the guy that produced that cooking kit bought me bought me out so that i would come to la and work full-time for epic meal time to like help he really liked me for some reason to like help liaison this and invent handle it which was the instructional cooking show which was what i was all about and so was built to show off those products handle it was created for the only reason to sell the cooking kit and the cookbook Smart. Yeah. So is that how you guys, I know there was a point where the whole Epic Mealtime crew, I don't know if you guys moved to LA or? No, never moved to LA. None okay. Of us. We came here for an extended period of time. Um, and uh, it was a bad situation. It basically was the beginning of the end for all of us. What was? Us coming to LA for the first time. Why? So what, what did that look like? What do you mean? So we were like, all right, we're going to LA for six months. And I was like, why are we going to LA? And it's like, because people are there, collaborations, which were heavy at the time. Sure. Oh, side note, Epic Mealtime created the collab game on YouTube. Yeah. We really did. I'll give you guys that. We really did. We did the Freddie Wong collaboration and it, everyone Love started it. collaborating. It was amazing. Great video. More yeah. guns, the best. So we were like, all right, we're all going to LA. What's the living situation? Oh, well, the guy who is doing the cooking kit has a mansion in the hills with 20 bedrooms where he's running his company, we're all just going to live there. He says he's going to put us up for free and we'll film our episodes there in the sick kitchen and we'll film handle it. We'll, we'll make our cooking kit there and maybe we'll do another show. And um, we went there and it was far from that. 
it was uh, it was a huge mansion with a theater and friggin' twenty bedrooms, except nineteen of those bedrooms were being occupied. So Harley got a bedroom, and the rest of us had to sleep in wherever we could find a place. Jesus, for six months. That's wild. Yeah. Well, and did you quit your job to go to LA? Like, what's yeah, the could, what's? Well, you got funded to do it. I got like, I, I got, paid, like, I got paid five grand to quit my job and go all in on Epic Meal Time. And I had a mortgage at the time, by the way. Good lord! Wow. And you said yes because you thought the trajectory of Epic Meal Time was high enough for you to to leave your foundation of financing so the, <clears throat> so the way i looked at it was <clears throat> oh also i wrote the first cookbook and got a big advance for that so that helped that was all around the same time can we also just emotionally this shit is hype though it's like it's so hype right like, like, we're all blinded by the allure also keep right. in mind like so like epic mealtime was not only a big show, it was like bringing people to YouTube the way Ninja brings people to Twitch. Yeah, right. Like comparison. you don't really think about Twitch before Ninja. Like Twitch has existed and been this great platform, but it brought people like me who was a, more like an everyday consumer, not a heavy gamer. And I fell in love with Ninja and Fortnite and then fell in love with the platform of Twitch. I was like, I've been missing out on this. And like I knew of YouTube and I would watch YouTube and it was cool. But even for me, who's kind of heavy into tech and social and all that shit, like I became a YouTube fan through Epic Meal Time. I was on this platform and realized, damn, here's the cooking stuff I was missing out on on Food Network. Here's a scripted fantasy style cooking show with people that I like and relate to. So being a part of that machine, like I could see being a creator and want to give up something as silly as what seems like a stable job to like go to LA. That's like every YouTuber's dream that's around the country. Is like, Any entertainer. Obviously, the transition is to go to LA, right? Like it's it's this silly glitz and glamour obvious pipeline of the next move is obviously going to LA. So this is not the first time that story's been told and it's not the last time that it'll happen. So just that emotional roller coaster of like, yo, this is a tight thing going to and LA. go to a mansion right where there's parties every day all our food's being paid for because this guy who is, will remain nameless is getting like millions of dollars from angel investors to invest in this like on e-commerce company and he unbeknown to us he's using us as leverage to get funding to get funding that I'm not going to get into, but that ended bad, obviously. Okay. So you guys are in this mansion right now for an undisclosed amount of time in LA. Kind of content. living in a weird way, but like everyone's sitting on this idea of allure where like everybody we see is wearing a bacon strip shirt. You know, it's we're tight. getting millions of views. We're getting recognized. Like brand opportunities are coming over. Kevin Smith is coming over. Riff Raff and Andy Milanakis are coming over. Like, we're in Ludacris's old house. Like this is t the day after tomorrow. Ti is coming to see if he wants to rent it. You know, like what, what is life right yeah. now, right? And so this is a year later. Everyone already has been working full time and not getting paid. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna end the job and bounce out there in November of 2012. You're not getting paid at all. Not really. 
So I am getting paid because I'm leveraging my skills to do that by ways of the cookbook. And he, at the time, he Harley or anybody didn't know I was paid to quit my job. We kept that on the on the low because they weren't paying anybody else. Mm. It was very sneaky, like with the whole crew. Yeah. Now, at this point, we're all kind of like. Let me rephrase that. At this point, I kind of hate everybody because I feel like I'm doing a lot of the work. This guy feels like he's doing a lot of the work. This guy's writing the com commentary. That guy's working their website. This guy's editing. That guy's filming. All while Harley is nowhere to be found. He's clocking in and out based on when he needs to be on camera. He's got his own room where we're all living in closets and couches and air mattresses. A lot of, a lot of like uh, bitterness is setting in around this time. A lot. Do you think everyone's just kind of caught up? Like, yeah. do you think yeah, people yeah, yeah. are just like, yo, this is new to everybody, right? No one is trained in what is about to happen. No one's trained in becoming celebrity. No one's trained. You guys are also, Harley seems like he's trying to find a way to run a business. Yep. He's in a town that he's not familiar with either, right? Like you guys all moved out together, but I could see there's a lot going on. Do you, did he even know that like it was bad for anyone else I'm the or is that just like those honest to god just blinders based on how exciting this situation is how new this situation is in theory you guys are young as shit at the time like the grand scheme of it it's not like you guys have already had a life before this with all this other stuff like yeah you had a great job that you left but this is wild this well, is I like a dream job still <laughs> and i think the the option that you didn't present to Josh was that was all of this very calculated by Harley spe specifically. I mean, I don't, I, I can't say, I don't know if you can say, but I'm just saying that whether he had blinders on or not, like you'd have to have a pretty big set of blinders to not communicate to your team that you're bringing from Canada to LA that you don't have a bed. Like, that's pretty, that's like blinders to a crazy degree. And maybe it was for success, but I'm curious about what you think now looking back, because you've already mentioned lawsuit with the original founder within the first six months or a year. Also of, uh, best friend, be best friend, right? After the fact, we now know there's been additional lawsuits as it relates to characters of that show, IP of those characters and, and where that fleshed out. So I don't know how much of it was a calculated. This is Harley's way to get famous at using the group mentality as tools to get to that fame and how much of it was, well, I'm the leader of this and I'm just going to go where this takes me and there is no path. So there is no morality because I have no, no one has any idea what they're doing. I think first of all, all of the above and probably more stuff than I can even know because I'm not him, but let's just give him the benefit of the doubt for, the sec for a second because there's a lot of things happening. The problem was is that we're in this humongous house <clears throat> where you can literally like spend an entire day and not see a person. Like it was huge. Like it was humongous, this house. There's half the people, two thirds of the people living in that house are also working in that house that had nothing to do with us. And then they see this group of guys, douchebags, with all due respect to all of us, come in and are fucking crazy, drinking like copious amounts of whiskey, having random celebrities come over where everyone is like tripping out, throwing parties, 
problem was is that we all started having like separate conversations with one another. Like I have a conversation with this person and be like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Like I'm sitting here and like on an air mattress, like I can't do this much longer. I just quit my job. I got a place in Montreal that I'm paying a mortgage for and I'm like, what am I doing? And then like that person would go and be like, yo, Josh is pissed. Like, fuck that. I'm pissed. Like, fuck him. And then like, it would be this weird, like thick animosity between all of us. It was bad. It was really, really, really bad. Do other YouTubers face issues like this? For sure. Because actually every single YouTube group goes through this stuff. Because yeah, I mean, I look at like David Dobrik's vlogs, for example, or Mr. Beast's vlogs. I think some of them get paid, but like for David Dobrik's, for example, I know they don't, they're not like on a regimented schedule. They're not like on David Dobrik's staff. Again, I, I don't know personally, but I just, I get the idea that they're not, but the value that they get out of the relationship and being in these videos is that they're in, their individual followings grow and it's on them to try to monetize that. So you're saying that does happen in other YouTube groups where it's like, you know, shit's popping off. And like, I don't think a lot of these YouTubers have it like to be malicious in terms of hey, I'm going to use you for your skill set and do this and you get nothing out of it. I think it's just because it all seems so fun and seems so value exchange there and just show up in my video, man. I mean, like, what are you doing? Just come hang out. I mean, in a David Dobrik scenario, like show up in my video, we'll go buy a car. Okay. Or show up in my video, work 12 hours to create this meal. Like go buy the groceries, go create a recipe, go work and make this shit reality. Then I'll come in and I'll do my thing and you don't get anything from that. You don't get paid, you don't get glory, you don't get an annotation for your handle, nothing. You're saying that's... That's what it, I, that's what it was for me. Hmm. For David Dobrik, I get it. Come, we're hanging out. Maybe you'll be in my video, maybe you won't. Maybe it'll help you, maybe you won't. Not for us. Like there's no explanation. There was no... No, for us, we were employees. That's what it was. We were... We were, we were it, they were designing this structure to be an employee with zero ownership, You'd get like a small percentage of a small amount of profit. And that was it. And in the interim of that happening, they're trying to find another place for us to go because the relationship with the guy who owns that house is rocky. Mm. So finally, they end up finding a place for us. Like the furthest point of LA County in Silmar. It's like, the, it's like over here is Silmar. Over here is like next county. Like yeah. literally like a line you could walk over. It was yeah. so far. And they're like, yeah, like we're going to bring you back out here and we're going to work from there and like it'll be our house and we'll work from there and blah, 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 blah. And we did that for like five months. It was terrible. Everyone hated it. The, they had a, another falling out with the guy who owned that house. Keep in mind, we were all living in Silmar. Harley was living in Hollywood, like doing his thing with his girlfriend. And we're all like, yo, what is, what is this? What the what is happening here? Was there, I mean, it feels like, I mean, you've kind of mentioned the douchebaggery, the kind of, it feels like a frat house nature, but the like all of the individual circles of trust and how fragmented those are, how you're presented as a team, right? Like Epic Meal Time is a like you see the thumbnail of six dudes or eight it's dudes squad or squad goals. Yeah, it was like squad like, goals. Everyone's that you looking see. at your squad like, damn, that's tight. Look at these guys building food together, not giving a fuck together. And then on the inside it just feels 
everyone like every man for themselves if i can get closer to harley or harley's girlfriend that might mean more screen time for me if i say yes to favors for this person does that mean more website time for me like that's, that's all exactly what it is by the way that's fucking cr- that's you can only live under that pressure for so long because it's just dog eat dog it's very tough so people get disgruntled and i hate everybody all the time <laughs> <laughs> ask any of them they're like yo you were the worst man you were so mean all the time like it's the second people that, outside of your circle they were saying that no, back no, no, to you just or like that, within your that. circle they're like yeah yo. i mean i've always been a hater like in, <laughs> in general like we know each other for what, gonna th- hate this, three and a half years like come on we talk shit all the time you yeah. know it, but the, it's not in a malicious way i'm not out to get anybody the truth is the entire time all i wanted to do was protect myself Cause I have, cause I see what the reality is. Like you can't trick me for too long. You really can't. So like when we were living in Silmar, it got to the point where it was like, yo, if this is real, I can't live in this situation. I'm out, I'm gonna try and find my own place. So it got to the point where I went out to find my own place in LA. And that's when Harley was like, yo, don't find your own place, we're out of here. We went back to Montreal. Damn. Yeah. And then we went back to Montreal and uh, we, Got another house in Montreal. It was always a houseman uh, environment. Uh, we go back to this house and we start banging our recipes and like, it's seemingly a little bit better. Everyone's more comfortable because they're back at home mm-hmm. in their own kind of like comfort zone. Are they growing? It's like- At this point, we've plateaued. We're all we're on the way down. Okay, but I've seen views go down for anyone. I'm not talking about meal time. No, but yeah, if, if, if stuff goes down, but maybe the business part of it uh, stabilizes, right? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes like- Merch. Yeah, merch. You start understanding what's coming in month to month. Yep. You can start taking care of your employees a little bit better. Um, and, you know, without without specifics, like we go through that as a company sure. where, you know, a lot of our friends helped and you have a consciousness of like not being able to pay them as much as they're worth. But even as you grow, if you, you're looking to stabilize the business and you can start working towards numbers that make a little bit more sense, that get closer to where they're worth. And there's always in every company, it doesn't matter, even the biggest ones in the world, they're always trying to work to, tr- hopefully, trying to treat their employees better and better over time because no one's ever getting paid what they're worth, right? Like in the yeah. grand scheme of it. Yeah. But essentially when you guys go back home, things have gotten a little bit better. Um, six months after getting back, we got a television show. So we had to go back to LA. Oh shit. For, 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 for five Were you five thinking months. of like, yeah, I got to find something else. Yeah, and I, then I, this TV show shit, so like a funny, windfall comes. It's funny you ask that. I was sitting in the driveway in Silmar with cousin Dave. And I was like, bro, I don't, I don't know if I could do this anymore. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? He's like, yeah. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'll like try and be a chef some, some, in somehow, in some way. Maybe I'll try and do my own YouTube channel. I don't know. And he's like, honestly, man, I don't see it. He's like, I, he's like, I, you know what I see for you? I see you being a uh, culinary producer. He's like, that's what you could do. He's like, I don't see you really being in front of the camera. He's like, you could help put together someone else's thing. And I was like, oh. Didn't know you felt that way. <laughs> Did you take a little offense to it? A lot of offense. In fact, I never forgot it. Wow. Yeah. So, and and I also looked at Let Me Know, who was like an in and out character of Epic Meal Time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, I told him the same thing. And I was like, I think like I'm out because I just can't handle this shit anymore. Like, it's just not a good working environment. Obviously, I'm not happy. Like, you guys all see that. It's nothing to do with anybody than just 
it's just not a good working environment for me. For me, I can't speak for anybody else. Yeah. And I told him that. And I, th- I saw him in his head be like, okay, more room for me. <laughs> That's the way it was. It was dog eat dog. That guy's out, cool. Less, less people to be around. Now there's more time for me. It's always what it was. By the way, at this point, Muscles Glasses entire, after the big house, Ludacris's mansion, Tyler and Muscles Glasses quit. So yeah, I, I wanna, for Epic Mealtime fans, like I remember Muscles Glasses very much. Yeah. And I remembered Alex as the character, yeah. this like really buff guy in it basically from the beginning. Yep, the first episode. And then he bounced. And I remember like a whole series came about. It was like Muscles the Glasses, legend. The Legend, which everything aside, great content. Great content. Like so funny. The fact that you could take this IP of Muscles Glasses I don't know what happens to Alex in the interim. I don't really know Alex, whatever. But I was like, this content is good. Like, yeah. motherfucker. Like, that's when I became a fan of Harley. Like, as just as a fan as, of another content creator, it's like, this dude's funny. This dude's spearheading this thing that's not food anymore. Yeah. And then I started following Harley and like, yo, he's great in like video game high school. Yeah. Like, hilarious dude. I was like, this dude's gonna continue to see success into the future. I don't know you at this point. I don't know anything about, I'm just a fan of Epic Mealtime from across the water. Like that's how far away it is. You're right, by the way. He's super smart, super funny. He knows how to make a good, uh, he knows how to produce something really good. He has that. He went to acting school. He did did, uh, production courses in college, I think, or something like that. The content has always been good. Yeah. It's always been good. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious what happened specifically with Muscles Glasses because from on the outside, I knew of Epic Mealtime. We covered it on Food Beast a lot. And at one point, we asked for a tweet from Epic Mealtime about our coverage. It shut down our site. <laughs> I remember that specifically. Amazing. I remember seeing Carl's Jr. ads with Harley and Muscles. Those two guys specifically, there may have been more involved, but I specifically remember Harley and a guy with sunglasses and I'm and a heavy baking and to commercial. me like muscles glasses was this number two recognizable character of the crew and then to know that that also got into more arguments or lawsuits or whatever I'm curious about what your perspective on that character was what happened as a result of that character because again the way it's fleshed out, if you read Epic Mealtime's Wikipedia, it looks like, well, Harley created this character. It was an actor who was hired for a job, which is nothing like what you're describing <laughs> at all. Because there's a, re- there's a reality to it. And yes, on for paperwork and legality, it needs to be he was a contracted actor for a position. But then they want to be able to have the IP to start as its own spin-off like YouTube series yeah. and be able to monetize that. That was a long spiel, but like just react to that. So uh, I believe what this is what happened. Everyone had like their on screen kind of thing and what they would do off screen. So like Tyler was the dumbass on screen, but he wrote every script for Epic Mealtime. Dave was the knife and fork guy, but he also was the cameraman and the editor. I remembered him as the knife and fork guy. Here's yeah. all these people in every episode eating like 
pigs. Yeah. And then he's so funny. Knife and fork. He was the clean guy. Yeah. I was the guy with the knife and the crazy stare that would drink Jack Daniels like a fucking fish. <laughs> I would literally guzzle it. Like, yeah. hey, it's no problem. Amir was the crazy guy, like, uh, with the lisp. And Muscles Glasses was Muscles Glasses. Oh, yeah. Amir was the crazy guy with the lisp. He helped me pre-pro and and post-production and food we would go grocery shopping together we would back and forth with recipes because he he knows more than the average person about cooking food um and then you have muscles glasses that wouldn't do anything other than what i eat and not talk and in his mind he was told don't talk don't smile just eat as much as you can and be an asshole and burp so he took that to heart so when it came down to like, yo, you need to pull your weight. He's like, what weight? He's like, I'm the fucking character. Like, that's my job. He's like, I don't need to do any of this other shit. I'm the second guy, arguably the first guy. <laughs> and then Harley was like, oh, okay. So like it started a bit of a riff. And then like Muscles Glasses, I think, he didn't come to LA to that mansion with us. Huh? He was like, nah, I'm not coming to that. You're not paying me. Fuck you. And that was, and then he was like, it started something and then, Ultimately, I don't know the exact details, but I think Muscles Glasses tried to flex on him and then Harley tried to flex back and then eventually Harley just bought him out, bought the character from him and that was it. Never came back. Damn. And then he tried to like replace him and it failed. And like after Muscles Glasses left, which was like inside of a year, it was on the decline. Wow. Where do you think Epic Mealtime sits now with content that they're creating now? Um, I don't watch their content. I don't know. Um, I know that, uh, I get questions like, Hey, are you still doing Epic Meal Time? Which only means to me, you obviously no one's watching it. If like, that's the case. The last time I checked, they were getting less than six figures of views. When I was there, we were getting seven bit figures. So I can only imagine that like anything, like you're saying, there's a natural decline progression and it's just the way it works what's funny is i i tuned in a few episodes recently and they're i like them i think they're good i think why i still hang my hat on epic mealtime is that it is that fictional food show i've wanted for so long and the fact that they're still carrying that torch is is worth it and i think as things have progressed i think they've tried to age gracefully with it um, but when we when we started it, we were creating food. Now they're just making big food. Like it's there's nothing else to it. It's just bigger versions of what already exists. Yeah, but there's a storyline. There's a storyline. Sure. They're like, here's the journey to the store. Here's this character, whether they're new or old or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want to find out what's next for you after Epic Meal Time at the time because you've had it. That was really just the base for you. Well, it, you, uh, we got all the way up to the point where we did the FYI show, which was a big yeah. deal for all of us. Okay, so you, you you ended up going back to LA. Yeah, four months. We did 21 episodes of television inside of four months and Oof. simultaneously did two episodes of Epic Meal Time every week. Are you doing food production for the show in addition to being talent for the show? Yeah. I'm trying, I'm helping with like any questions. Cause like a regular culinary producer doesn't know how to make a robot out of food, you know? Right. How did it get decided who was on that show? I mean, you've uh, described we did, they like didn't want dudes. us. They didn't want us on the show. They wanted to like sub- substitute us with like actors, like Harley plus four guys that we'll pick. And we're like, what? You think people are going to give a fuck about four random dudes on an epic mealtime show? Yeah. You, YouTube would, ki- YouTube would eat you guys out. Of course. Like that. 
I'm glad that that didn't happen oh. because the show would have been destroyed by Reddit and he, YouTube. The same communities that built you guys yeah. would have been like, you guys just replaced your whole crew with God, these you, actors. You're this whole conversation. You are like fighting tooth and nail. Like in every situation, like doesn't stop. That's I, just so str- like I have stress just reliving your situation. Yo, this is 2014. Alone. There's four more. We we can go up till today. There's still shit popping. Today, like I'm saying, this just doesn't end. I want to get through this so, journey so, so because do I don't want to talk about it anymore. So we do that but show. I, we should. We we just the people listening deserve the rest of it. We bang. And then up. I want to go on to the good good shit. Perfect. I'm getting there. We're almost there. We, I have one more year left. <laughs> oh god. So we <laughs> so we bang fun, out that show. Good. We all learn a shitload. It's uh, honestly it's a very cool experience because we're we're leads on a show and it's like we get to do really cool great things. credits, dude. Great credits. Like we all had a. It, it was hard work, but it was fulfilling because like we we have, it was like we accomplish something you know and we all didn't really hate each other at the end of it it was a it was better like it was we and we didn't know we were getting screwed we were just happy to be there you know because well, at the very least you guys had a television show exactly yeah. like that's something you could lean on when you're in a house in silmar and you're like again we have a pop in youtube page and no one's getting paid like we grew up of an era where tv show is the culmination of success. Yeah. So you guys had that at least in credits, in conversation. It didn't come with the same money, power, leverage relationships that everyone thinks of with the hit TV show. But you had something. It was the coolest thing we had all done at, at that point because it's sick. Yeah. Full crew, 21 episodes. Like it was dumb. You dressed up in a. Pepto, are you dressed, yeah, yeah. dressed Mentos up in a man? Mentos? Mentos <laughs> man. I what am amazing, Mentos man. What amazing bit. You guys, I don't know if anyone saw this, but Josh dressed up in a suit entirely made of Mentos and jumped in. No, it was <laughs> a ball pit. It was he a freaking. He jumped into a pit that was filled with Coca-Cola. <laughs> like, incredible. And then he just erupts. I thought that, I was like, oh, fuck, they're going to promote this show so well. Like, I had Adam, like, I liked Epic Mealtime at the end of the day. I was like, man, these guys just did video of the shit that we've been talking about in photo for so fucking yeah. long. Yeah. And like, part of me, you know, I was like jealous of it. I was like, damn, fuck, great fucking idea, guys. Like that, that like withheld gratitude that yeah. I had towards you guys and, and when I first met you, Josh, I was like, yeah, this is the, this is the fucker. This is the dude right here. Like, <laughs> this is the dude that was making those dope-ass fucking recipes that got all that video views on YouTube. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> and it turned out to be a great dude. Um, Thanks, Eli. Which we'll get into, we'll get into our animosity. So we get, back to, we get back to Montreal. Yeah. We have another house. Same story. Back in the, in a, in a house. And we finished the TV show... Harley Star is soaring, getting movies, commercials, other opportunities. He's in a Kevin Smith movies. Two. And he's 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 getting opportunities as Harley Mornstein, not the Sauce Boss. Mm. And we're all like, "Whoa, that's pretty cool," but we're still not making money. But get back to Montreal. We start banging out more videos. This is there's this is the defining moment that changed everything for me. I made. I was a Saturday, I was at home by myself and I was like, I wanna cook something crazy. So I went to the store and I found this sponge that had sandpaper on it. It was a sandpaper sponge. 
and I was like, oh, this is cool. What can I use this for? Oh, I could, I could like shave something into smooth. I can make a potato a ball, a full out circular smooth ball. Or I could do anything with a potato, really. And I went home and I took a, a teaspoon and a sandpaper sponge and I severed the spoon to where the edges of the spoon were sharp, like a blade. Okay. okay. And I took a potato, a russet potato, and I made a hole in it. And I was like, potato cup? This is cool. What if I deep fry this? Make a, potato, a French fry cup. This is cool. So I did it. And I was like, eh, not that cool. So I did it again. I took the potato, and instead of just making a hole, I made it like see-through hole, like a spiral. And I made, and I, and I was like, whoa, this is way cooler because you could see the outside and the inside and the contrast of this deep fried skin versus the deep fried flesh. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Typical steak fry will follow that. Yeah. What if I stuff it with cheese curds and pour gravy on it and call it a poutine tornado? This is cool. Yeah. So I did that, took a picture that turned out dope, put it on my Instagram and read it, didn't think anything about it, woke up in the morning, was on the front page of Reddit. Wow. I had like four or five emails from like Google, uh, Yahoo, uh, CTV, uh, and one other, one or two others like wanting to interview me because of this poutine tornado. Canadian makes poutine tornado. Look at this crazy thing. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember it this. It was crazy. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this has nothing to do with Epic Meal Time. This is all me. This is cool. So I did that. And like I went back to the next day to work the next day, and they were and 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 I was like, and I was like, guys, check this out. And everyone was kind of like, "Whoa, that's cool, man. Good for you, dude." Like, kind of like, "Fuck you." Thank like, you. Like, you. fuck you for getting attention. Back to the doggy dog. Like, yes. fuck this guy who's getting attention. Gets worse, way worse. So I was like, okay, whatever. Back to business as usual. And then I was like, every opportunity I got, every weekend, I was making something else. So the next one I did was a chili cheese fry rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the same concept. I hollowed out a potato, made a point with the sponge, put a thing in it, made my cheese blanket as the fire at the bottom, yeah, yeah. and I stuffed the hole with chili. And I made a chili cheese rocket ship. Amazing. And then uh, the next weekend after that, I made the breakfast Jenga, which was the <laughs> potatoes uh -huh. in the Jenga stuffed with a fried egg and bacon. Brilliant. And that one got a lot of attention too. And every time I'm putting it on Reddit, my Reddit stock is going up and up and I'm getting front page and front page. And this is still to this day, being on the front page of Reddit is a big fucking deal. Yeah, Huge. Even though no one knows why. <laughs> like it doesn't <laughs> amount to z anything. <laughs> So at this point, you guys have Epic Meal Time that's launching. Is it every Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. And at Handle It every Saturday. Okay. Did Handle It exist? So everyone who's watching, for some reason, if you don't, if you're not familiar with Epic Meal Time, they have their their main show was where they create a crazy large, ridiculous, newsworthy item. It's super. It's usually huge. It's a that was big, big ass, crazy creation, and it's usually Harley uh, on the front and the back, intro and outroing it, and his voiceover throughout the video. We should have started the podcast with this. Like, imagine <laughs> someone who's still tuning in has no idea what Epic Meal Time is. Yeah. Okay. And then Handle It was one or two of us instructionally teaching you something that is a lot more compact manageable. and manageable. Mm -hmm. Now I was producing, I was creating the recipes based on a group conversation with all of us in Epic Meal Time, and I was creating the handling episodes like by myself for everybody. 
So were these, could these recipes that hit the front page of Reddit that weren't big enough for the main show, but yeah. could have been good for Handle It? Did you guys have the conversation of this, this is should be for Handle saying. It? That's basically what he was saying. He's like, we should be doing this on Handle It, not okay. on your personal. And I was like, you can't, no one's going to sit there sanding a potato on Handle It and be like, go out and get a sandpaper sponge. Well, and you created it. Yeah. You, you felt some type of way about your own hard. personal creation yeah. and the time and ingenuity it took. And I felt like that you were also probably at your limit for four to five years <laughs> worth of creative suppression. How could the conversation have gone different? How could it have been a good thing? The conversation, it was always the same conversation. I want more opportunity. I want more opportunity. I want more opportunity. And it was always the Coming same. Coming from you? From me. And, it okay. was, and the answer, and I was like, guys, I'm motivated by money, not whatever attention you think I, I care about, because I don't care about that. I got a fucking mortgage, a car payment. I got bills to pay. This is not a joke. I'm like, you see I'm not happy. I'm telling you, literally telling you, I am not happy. And you're sitting there and be like, sorry, then bounce, then go. But after that moment that he told me that we should be doing that, that's when I said, I am out. And for literally almost a year to the day later, I quit because I just couldn't handle it. And so here's the thing. If you, you Hold on. You stayed another year after that moment? Had to set my life up. Wow. I have a question. If, if you were paid adequately in your mind, do you think that request to have those food creations appear on Handle It, would that be a reasonable request from Harley? Those recipes are not Handle It recipes. Mm -hmm. That's another show. That's like, check out this food art show. Okay, now- But that guys, was never gonna be a conversation. Okay, that, would have been, that was gonna be my next question is, I can understand as someone who's building a food brand, I think there's tact in everything. There should be tact in everything and being able, especially if I care about you as a person, as a creator, as someone within my organization, to have the conversation of, okay, if you're gonna make these things and I, Eli, whoever, it, I think they're cool. I see value in them. Other people see value in them. They're on the front page of Reddit consistently. How do we make this work that was not, did you feel that just wasn't gonna be a conversation that would happen? Because if you were adequately paid. Which I wasn't. Which you weren't, fine. I, again, I, I can't comment because I have no idea and yeah. I don't wanna talk about specifics. Me either. Um, but if you were, is that conversation you'd entertain more? Like, yo, this actually makes sense. Like Epic Mealtime is supposed to be this, if he was trying to make a more encompassing food brand with different food shows, the main show, you have Handle It, which is an instructional show, and then maybe you have this ridiculously nuanced and detailed cooking show where you make silly food art. Was that something like, did with you bring that Josh, idea up? With, with Josh as a host. With you as the host, do you feel like, yo, I want a Josh cooking show on the, because having a show on Epic Mealtime's channel is the best start you could have had. Um, I forgot to talk to you about the inception of Handle It and how that happened. I thought this was the reason why Handle It existed because it was like, here's the, sh to give longevity to the Epic Mealtime brand where it's like, you could still have this creativity in the kitchen, but it doesn't have to be a hundred pound burger. Yeah. And so is that why well, it no, started? Handle It happened because the guy that paid, bought me out, that brought me to LA mm. said, we're going to make an, an instructional cooking show to me and you. Uh, independent of Epic Meal Time, that's what he said. Huh? And I was like, okay. I'm like, but my allegiance is with Harley, mm -hmm. so we got to tell him first. Mm -hmm. 
And Harley was like, you can't do both, so choose. And I was like, I don't want to choose, so fuck that. And then he's like, cool, let's just do it on Epic Meal Time. We'll call it Handle It. Oh, uh, okay. So like, Handle It wouldn't have happened if I didn't give him an ultimatum. Or okay. if he didn't give me an ultimatum, rather. So nothing got bumped up, you just guys just added another program. Just added another show. I, so I, you were asking, it took me a year after that point. And that's because I kept on having to like justify my decision. Like if I leave here, what am I going to do? You know? Now they were always like, if you leave, you can't keep doing this. Like it's part of your contract. You're not allowed to like do the same thing. Like food. food. You're not allowed to create food. Yeah. And I was like, what? that doesn't make any sense. Where does it say that in my contract? But um, so after that conversation where he was telling me that we needed to do this on on camera, that's when I made the decision. Uh, that's when I made the decision, and I only found out later that everyone knew something was up with me because I completely changed. I was like super happy to go into work every day. I was banging out the best recipes Epic Meal Time has ever created. I was doing crazy shit like the pepperoni pizza palace. It's one of my favorite things we ever made on Epic Meal Time. After that meeting, you felt happier. Yeah, because you knew like because I knew it was out. I was out. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like I know what I'm doing now. I'm out of here. I just got to figure out what out of here means, mm-hmm. right? About uh, almost a year later, I it was we were all pissed and we we're all like let's we need more we need more money, we need more opportunities. So they were taking individual all of us individually and and being like here's what we're prepared to do. Now, at the time we were getting 5% of profit of a handful of things. All of those things that we were getting a 5% profit of didn't exist anymore. So we weren't making anything outside. By the way, the entire time I worked for Epic Mealtime was the least amount of money I've ever made in my entire life. Ever. Wow. More okay. than the first job that you ever had. I was making or, more selling cell phones. Of course you're making more selling cell phones, but but you're saying like real job. You made more in that delivery job. Oh yeah. Then for sure. Than you did being on television. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh it's about 10 months later and I go, all right, I, well, I want more opportunity. Like I'm not making enough money. Like I'm going to go out and get more opportunity. This is me telling you, Harley and his brother, I am going to actively seek other opportunities while working at Epic Mealtime. They looked at each other and laughed. And they're like, okay, Josh, good luck. And I was like, okay. The next day I got my own television show. The next day. Didn't tell them until I signed the contracts. Came back and was like, hey, I need to take a month off. And they, were, and they really didn't like that. <laughs> they really How do you get like a that. TV show so fast? So I hit my lawyer up and I was like, hey, um, I want to find another opportunity. Like if you ever see any type of guy or any type of production company that like wants a guest host or a guest judge or even a contestant, like hit me up. I want to get my foot in, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he's like, oh, it's funny you asked that. The guy who created Donut Showdown is here in my office. Like he's a client of ours and they're looking for judges. And I'm like, okay, yeah, put, put, put my name in front. And he's like, okay. Calls back the next day. He's like, hey, um, they don't want you as a judge. I was like, ah, well, next time. He's like, no, 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 no. They're flying into Montreal tomorrow. They want you to be the host. No. Yeah, and I was like, Is this what? Sugar Showdown? Yeah. This is me That's like so in the cool. Epic Mealtime kitchen, mid episode on the phone. Like I got to call you back. That's so cool. Yeah. So the next day I made up an excuse that I need to go downtown, downtown Montreal for like a dentist appointment or some shit. <laughs> Went out for lunch with uh, the production company, the husband and wife that owned it. And we met and um, they loved me. And they're like, yeah, so uh, we'll send you the paperwork. <laughs> That's so tight. So I signed all the paperwork and then I said that and like everyone was mad at me. They are all- Everyone like, in the crew. Yeah. They're all like, fuck you. You got taking a month off. What are we going to do? 
Like what the fuck? Like and then they're, and then they're looking at Harley like you're letting him do this? Like what kind of environment is this where no one wants to see you succeed? It's the brainwashed we all got brainwashed. We all talk about it now. It was pure brainwash. We all were thought that the way we had to work this is to be cutthroat and just shut up and take your followers. <laughs> like that's what it was. Oh, I'll tag you. Like I don't, I don't give a shit about your tagging and all that. So I take a month off. I tell Harley first out of respect. We go downstairs into the editing bay. I was separate from everybody because I just couldn't handle it. People while working there so we went downstairs together and we told the guys and you could see it was like oh congratulations it's really good man it's awesome (laughs) and i left for a month and two weeks before a week before my um the filming was done i flew out here to go to vidcon which was the first time i had ever been invited to vidcon as josh elkin how'd that feel how'd that feel it was the best feeling ever to tell harley i'll see him in anaheim He's like, what do you mean? I thought you're filming your show. Oh, VidCon invited me. VidCon invited you? Yeah. Okay. You fart you? <laughs> what are you doing there? Oh, I got a couple panels. Got a couple panels? I got no panels. Oh, well, I guess they don't want you. I don't know what to tell you, you know? So I go there, and this is where I knew that as soon as the TV show was over, I was quitting. We were watching Lily Singh's documentary that she was about to put out. This was in 2014. And in her trailer of her documentary, I'm sitting there, Harley, between Harley and his brother, and we're sitting there watching the documentary, and like it ends on this sentence of her being like really emotional and being like, and this is just to tell you all that you should never let any other individual dictate your happiness. And I look at Harley, and he looks at me, and he's like this, and I look at his brother, and he looks at me like this, and in my head, I'm like, I'm out. And I came back, and a day later, I walked across the park where Harley was living, and I was like, I quit. A day after I had my show. Jeez. And they really hated me. <laughs> like bad. Like lawyer letter after lawyer letter. Like you're not allowed to cook. You're not allowed to put out food. And I was like, nah, man. I'm like, the contract says I'm not allowed to do this. And he's like, same thing. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. And I just never looked back. And then a month after, we met for the first time. Yeah, totally random too. We're just eating some halal guys. <laughs> no, it was through uh, Jed. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Jed. Daily food Daily feed. Daily food feed, yeah. Thank you, man. Um, what what excites you about the food game that you're in now post Epic Mealtime? And I mean, there's a lot that's, I think, happened in the three or four years since Epic Mealtime. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm most curious about what you're doing now and what you're excited about um, for the future of Josh Elkin, uh, mainly because... Eli and I definitely know, I think, the struggles of the advertising and marketing like gig economy, which is... That we're all in as content creators, like you were, YouTubers, yeah, we're all, Facebookers, whatever. All content creators are going to be somewhat dictated by the type of deals they can cut, either on platforms or brands or whatever. And it's a fucking hard dollar. And like... You experienced that firsthand and by making no money at Epic Mealtime. But then now, now that you are your own brand, uh, you know, that balance of Josh Elkin, the brand that can incorporate advertisers or incorporate platforms in a certain way, and the guy Josh that's like sitting across from me now, like that's just the person. What are you excited about and what are you, I don't know, not excited about? It's a very good question. I mean, I'm excited <clears throat> for myself. 
it's been four years roughly like solo and like i only recently really honed in on what we were talking about this the other day i yeah. only recently like pinpointed what my skill is and that is creating dope food that doesn't exist mm-hmm. like you look at the stuff that i make and you're like what is, wow. <laughs> and that's what i like that's the shock value i like so what am i excited about i'm excited about evolving my food art into like a sustainable practice like the way i look at art and i was telling izzy this the other day everyone looks at a painting and sees something different like you look at starry night van gogh and you're like oh like i feel this kind of way or i look at this piece of statue and i'm like oh i feel like this kind of way well, I don't want to compare myself to like the greatest artists ever, but like the same con. No, no, seriously. But like the same, I, 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 pl- I apply that same concept to what I do because you look at my food, whether it's like let's just say what I made yesterday, which was a buffalo chicken taco. Fantastic, right? bro! It's delicious. Mm-hmm. But like, if you don't like buffalo chicken, there's you're no out. way you're gonna look at that and be like, awesome. But if you, but when you look at that you're like you instantly think to yourself what the best buffalo chicken you've ever had was and you're like that's what i see right now because you're never going to taste it it doesn't exist you're looking at it and subjectively deciding what that is so that's what i'm trying to do like an artist you look at a painting you decide what if, how you feel you look at my art and you decide how it tastes i'm i'm really honing in on the taste bud brain because it's mm-hmm. a thing your ta- your tongue dictates what you like you're trying to find that connection between the visual and the taste bud yeah i feel like that's what we a lot of the conversations josh and i have over chat over text on the phone is sometimes he'll just call me with an idea like all right man i'm gonna do something with in and out like cool bet i love in and out he's like okay what's like an iconic thing in and out like he, he there's so much conversation that goes into what people assume is just a silly recipe but there's so many things like for example, the one that Josh is talking about, a buffalo chicken taco shell. Before you make that recipe, you have to understand what Venn diagram of people will understand this creation. So are people into buffalo sauce? Cool. There's probably a fair amount of people that are into that. Now, people understand tacos. Fair amount of people into tacos. So now you understand that, should I just put chicken on in a regular taco shell? You're like... No. Okay. Well, that's what that's what it is. You think you hear buffalo chicken taco, you're like, oh, a tortilla stuff with buffalo chicken. Mm-hmm. That's what you think. And then he goes, no. Like, I'm going to flip it on its head and the shell itself of the taco is going to be made of chicken. And the reason why he can do that is because Taco Bell has put out enough energy and enough substance in the world that their chicken taco shell is now a reality and something that people understands. So if Josh put out this buffalo chicken taco shell, say four years ago, it probably wouldn't have resonated because people haven't seen enough of a taco shell being made of chicken yet. Or anything else. Or anything else. So understanding where you are in the food lexicon is extremely important in making recipes that resonate with people. And I think it took, Josh, it took you a while after to really find that balance. And now I think you're at, you're at the Mount Olympus of it all right now. Like I I was telling you, only about seven, eight months ago did I really realize what this is. Up until that point, I was like, oh, it's a hit or miss. Like, I don't know if this is going to do good You went through some shit, I feel like, when we would talk. Because, and again, I, I mean this, everyone, from like the bottom of my heart, 
just because you have followers does not mean you're making money. No. Right? And so what I like about Josh is you look at his followership, dude, I think you probably have close to almost a quarter million people across all your platforms. And there's people that have millions of followers that don't make dick. And then you have Josh who's found ways to make money outside of being, you know, the things you would assume. He's a TV show host. Uh, he gets paid from different brands to create content. But I think what's being found right now is you you would hit me up sometimes and like, yo, is this content good? And I get that from a content creator because it feels like you're only as dope as the last thing you put out. Whether you're an actor, you're only as dope as the last movie you were in. As a director, you're only as dope as the last movie you put out. As an Instagrammer, which yo, silly as it sounds, is the careers that a lot of us are in, like you're only as dope as that last photo you put up. And what does it do to your insides and your emotions when you put some shit up and you're like, I expected 5,000 likes. I got 1,000, man. Like 24 hours is surpassed. Like you should take that shit to heart, <laughs> silly as Yo, it sounds. Yo, that dopamine hit I was talking about earlier, that shit is real, man. Mm. That shit is real, for real. Yeah. Sometimes like, and it makes you th- question like your integrity. Like, oh, uh, that picture didn't do nearly as well as should have done. And then you start overanalyzing it. And you start thinking like, oh shit, like, is that it? Is my run over? Like, is no one care anymore? Mm -hmm. And it's just like ebb and flow of our business. That's the biggest thing is you're up, you're up. When you're down, you never feel like you're going to be up again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But for me, what really, and you're right, those conversations that we've had are so valuable. Like it's, what I realize off of our conversations, Eli, is that like if it's not recognizable, if you can't look at that picture and instantly know what it is and and it for, to resonate and recognize, it's never gonna do good. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I put out shit that's the best, doesn't do anything. Then I'll put out a burger and it'll blow up. Yeah, you know, you you gotta relate to people. Yeah, you gotta relate to people, and that's the balance of being a content creator. And what's cool about this is, sounds scary and anxiety ridden being a content creator at the end of the day we're creating content we're not saving the world yeah but there is lights at the end of that tunnel like even ben affleck has had his bombs you're like yo geely was whack dude like you're so <laughs> trash and then ben affleck is ben affleck now right and then yeah it's just like you suck at batman you're still okay. trash yeah, the batman, yeah. <laughs> yeah but like goodwill hunting uh yeah he's produced directed and acted in great things it's just an all content creation it's an ebb and flow yeah i i'm ecstatic that there's like a level of artistry confidence that you're having that you're saying is kind of newly found which i would have never known by the way because i feel like you've always had an air of confidence no matter what you're doing are you as confident on the economic side of the artistry of what you're doing? Um, mainly, again, I ask because every year we look at what we're doing, starting a podcast more or less last year, and now we're jumping on Twitch. And it's fucking scary. Like, it's scary for me, specifically on the business side, because I'm like, we're going we're gonna to pivot Fanbot, we're going to pivot our staff writer Pete to focus on Twitch because we're hoping that there's economic viability on some level and we're investing in the right platform. If we did that with Vine, it would be wasted. If we did that with something else, it'd be wasted. Now, we do a lot of analysis figuring out what we want to invest in, 
But I'm curious about your confidence level, man, because we're a 20-person organization that still has to adapt monthly, it feels like, mm-hmm. to the ebbs and flows of content creation. You're a, you're a brand built on the individual, and you have to do the same shit we're doing, right? I, I'm assuming that's with less people and less resources. I don't know that for sure, but... That seems like I have a lot of stress when I'm moving this ship. Like, how confident are you in what you're doing can provide for you and the future that you want? Well, you ever hear the expression, you have no business in business? Sure. So it's real in every case. In this case, it's the same thing. Let's just use that example you use about Vine, okay? The people who, who live post-Vine are the people that adapted and evolved to other platforms like YouTube and Instagram. People who didn't fell by the waysides and are working at an enterprise now, okay? It's the same thing with us. If you have no business in business, you could get a million views every second and nothing's gonna happen. You gotta put forth business. I know people who have a fraction of the followers that I have and have way more of a business. That's just the way it works. You know, that's just the way it goes. You got to know how to <clears throat> step laterally, how to evolve and how to adapt. You guys did that. And I believe I've been doing that, but it's a constant grind always. Like I started streaming on Facebook, playing video games. I'm the furthest thing from a gamer, but I created a new type of streaming, which is cooking and gaming simultaneously. People tune in because they like it. It's cool. For me, it gives me an energy of new forcing me to create new things. This taco thing that I've been doing for se- seven months is making like what a taco a week almost every, every Tuesday, Tuesday, right? Every yeah. Tuesday. And it's a crazy taco. And it's because of the Facebook thing, because I was like, Oh, how can I generate attention on a Tuesday making a taco? And the first taco I made was a basic shrimp taco with a tortilla. And I was like, no, this is not Josh Elkin. And then I made the next one. It was a, was a smashed, bacon cheeseburger taco and then it was like okay let it go and um now so in terms of business now in june i'll have 52 tacos you've never seen before you could do a cookbook so the cookbook's gonna be 52 tacos you never thought existed oh shit there you go that's a dope that's coffee smart, table book Josh, too, man. That's smart, that's man. What's up. So that's the business side of it. Maybe other people might not think that way. I've always thought that way because I've been hustling since I'm 12, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you I like this question. I don't like this question, but I like it more in this situation. If you had a time machine and with all the shit you went through with Epic Meal Time and the two endpoints would be go through all that shit and be where you are or be making 150 G's doing telecom sales somewhere. Would I, you, I would do it again. You'd go through all you spend 55 minutes talking about all the bullshit you went through with Epic Meal Time. Like, you know you'd what? Go, you <clears throat> choose to go through that again? Yeah. I don't know what you're going to say, but I feel that was your education. That You became such a good content creator as a result of it by going through seeing really dope content, seeing really bad content, seeing the infrastructure and ecosystem around YouTubers and celebrity and basically made you that much sharper of both a person and a content creator that you wouldn't have gotten working an enterprise job at 150 grand a year. Like you can't learn that shit that you learned over that time with Epic Meal Time, and then even after that, you can't learn that in school. There are no courses for that. There are no courses for finding what looks good. 
You know, sorry. I know people from art school that just suck. I know people from art school that are incredibly talented, but it's the people that just go out there and try shit, trial and error, that end up coming out the other end really, really strong. Yeah. When I was making loot at the printer job, I hated going to like rural Quebec on a Cessna in the middle of the week. I hated it. What I loved was going home to my own home, being able to buy anything I wanted, going out and being able to go for any dinner I wanted. I liked that. But it goes deeper. Like even like the two years of college that I did that my teacher then said, get out of here. Like I'd still do that. Because I couldn't have gotten to the point of her telling me you should go out if I didn't do that. I couldn't get to the point of being very comfortable working with ingredients, creating food structures and art if I didn't do the Epic Meal Time thing. I learned more on what not to do working for the four years of Epic Meal Time that has benefited me post Epic Meal Time than I did before. Like I learned a lot, positive and negative. You know, I grew a lot. The point is that today, right now, being here talking about this is the is I want to be doing this more than anything. You know, if I went if I stayed on the printer job, I'd probably be bald, overweight in a life in Montreal I wouldn't want, you know? And not to say anyone who's doing that is not what they want, it probably is. But the but what I always wanted to be in life was successful. And for me, the margin of success is not necessarily always financial. It's more of like what you are in your life and how comfortable you feel. And I've never felt more comfortable. You're in the zone right now. I really am. Especially with the shit that I'm pumping out. Dude, I'm pumped to hear that. Yeah. It's, but it's <clears throat> like, it's our, I can't believe it's four years we know each other. Four yeah. years, you know? Like, this is crazy because I remember the moment that we went to Four Street Market, me, you, and Jed, mm. and had a conversation like, and I can't believe this is what it was. You guys were half the size. I was a quarter of the size. Jed was a fraction of the size. Mm -hmm. Now it's four years later. We've all grown in this space, evolved with it. The stuff that we might have thought was a smash in 2012 is no longer relevant today and we're part of that yeah. we create those trends and the relevancies and that's something to be super proud of regardless of all this the bullshit we went through yeah it's just fire dog it's <laughs> just tight I'm glad we're finally talking about hell it. yeah man what's I, ne what's next for you josh what uh what can you announce what's going on what are you excited about that's happening in um, your life not, same old you know creating dope food making crazy art uh, I've been wrestling with uh, a new way to do food art installations by ways of um, pop-up art museums through food. Uh, you should do more pop-up food because uh, what you did with... Plan check. Plan check, bro. All, I think you did like four items. Yep. It's like a breakfast brunch menu. Next Every level last, shit, dude, dude. so fucking good. So I think... I think you're going to lead the way there on terms of like how to take this internet... Because I don't think we're bringing internet food to real life the way it really could be. And I think, I think you're going to be a big part of that. Like what you did with plan check is ill. And I know you got some other collabs coming up. So that's just so, so tight. Like taking these ideas that just look good online, but actually getting to taste them in person from a creator aspect and not, I think of you as a creator first chef second. Um, I call so, myself a recipe developer. Mm. because people are always like are you a chef like yeah at the base of it i'm a chef but i'm really developing recipes that don't exist you know mm -hmm. recipechampions.com by the way yeah recipechampions.com i like what you're doing so this is a perfect example you know people want to make the food so now i have a website where i publish the recipes 
and it's getting thousands of views a day or a week. That's pretty good. That's what's up. Bro. Where can people find you, Josh? Find me on all social media at the Josh Elkin. Uh, You can go to recipechampions.com where I update it once a week with uh, one of those dope recipes we've been talking about. Mm. Cool, man. Thanks for swinging by, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. That was a lot of truth telling in a couple hours. (laughs) I like the I, truth. I, I appreciate that. Whoops. More than you know. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. Everyone watching on Twitch and everyone listening at home, thank you. Make sure you, uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, on the iTunes store, Spotify, guys, we stream this a week before it usually comes out live, so you guys can tune in there. And everyone on Twitch, go to iTunes and Spotify and uh, download your favorite new food podcast, The Catch-Up. My name is Eli. My co-host, Jeff. Happy birthday, brother. Happy Thanks, birthday. Man. Cheer. All right, guys, until next week. Later. <laughs>